What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Sick Podcast, Talking Titans. I'm joined by Vinny tonight. Also, we have a special guest in Draft Vogel, and we're going to break down the Titans quarterback room since we have uh, Ryan Tannehill on the back burner. So, Sammy, start us up. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to the Sick Podcast, Talking Titans. Ladies and gentlemen, 94 yards. The sickest Tennessee Titans podcast. Sick! It's going to be sick. Sick, sick. All right, guys, welcome back. It's just me and Vinny tonight. Sal is under the weather, so we're going to hold it down and we're going to break down quarterbacks. I wasn't here last week against the Ravens, so we have one of our own um, um, draft um, experts on the podcast. He is part of the sick team as well at Draft Vogel. So, John, Sammy, bring him in. What's Gentlemen. up, John? How you doing, buddy? I'm great, man. Long time no see, huh? Yeah, it's business before the draft, right? Yeah, yeah. just about the, yeah. the, the, comp, the combine issue, and you just got back from uh, um, uh, the co- – what was it? No, not the, the combine. Senior went to the senior, the senior Bowl, yeah. 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 And my worst nightmare was taking Levis, and here we are maybe a week away from starting him. So shout out our guy, um, John Vogel. He is the network's NFL draft guy. Go to him for all things NFL draft. Um, but, Jared, you weren't here last week, and me and Sal went in on our Titans after that Ravens game. Give us your thoughts on, um, you know, what transpired in London. Just real quick. I mean, before we get into the quarterbacks with John, and I'm going to talk about it after, you know, we released John from the podcast. But really quick, I mean, this team is in shambles right now, in my opinion. You, you've seen um, what Jeffrey Simmons has been saying in the locker room. Uh, I really wanted to get one of the Titans reporters on, but they, you know, they're very busy at the moment. I want to see what that feel is in the locker room because um, to me, it's lost at two and four right now. Um, this team has a lot of needs and answers that they have to answer, answer to after the buy quarterback being one of them. That's why we have John on to talk about that. Um, so, I mean, it was just a miserable loss, in my opinion, over the pond. We, we got there Thursday. I mean, we, we got we, we left Thursday, landed there Friday. Uh, we, we played like shit. You can't blame uh, that on leaving um, later on in the, in the week, like the Ravens did. But like I said, I want to tackle the quarterbacks, man. John's here. I'm going to get, I'm going to get into the game after, after John, because John doesn't need to hear that, that uh, spiel that we're going to give, you know, and, and bash the Titans after that. But John, uh, Ryan Tannehill obviously got hurt in this game. Uh, he's got another ankle problem uh, lingering with the same ankle as last year. Uh, we have uh, Will Levis, uh, Vinny's boy, and Malik Willis on the roster too as well. If you were going into this game, uh, against it, the Atlanta Falcons at home, who are you going to start um, to give us that spark that we need to go for the rest of the way? You know, it is funny because we were talking right before we got started, but I think I disagree with you guys a little bit on Levis. I know that you, tra- you traded up to get him. You went to the beginning of the second round. You made the move to get him. And, and you're hoping that he's going to develop into the right type of player. But I think that when you look at the training camp, right, where he had the injury – kind of stunted him a little bit with his knowledge and working with the team. I think that you have to go with Malik Willis personally. But that's what I would do. And I think that Malik has a little bit of a a dynamic aspect that he adds with his legs. Uh, I think that if you can go shotgun a little bit more, get Tajay Spears involved a little bit more with the run game, you can really start to open that up uh, for Malik to move outside the pocket and and start to make some of those throws uh, that he does usually pretty well. So, that's what I would do personally. Uh, I think that 
I know that there's not a lot of confidence in Malik and the, the Tennessee uh, facility because I, I heard all about it. So, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of what that's that's what I would do. But I'm also not there at practice every day. So. So the only thing that I'm going to have to disagree with you on that is, I mean, we've seen a lot of Malik Willis last year uh, with Ryan Tannehill's injury. Um, I mean, it was great, but our defense kept us in games, especially against that Chiefs game. I mean, he had some really good throws in that Chiefs game uh, to bring us, you know, close to a victory. And uh, he comes into the game against the Ravens and gets sacked four times. Um, so I, I understand, like, I mean, there's a there's a there's a video floating around of Malik Willis scrambling to the sideline with like a minute left with no timeouts, and he tries to make a play. You know, just get out of bounds, reset yourself. I understand that, but sacked four times. You got to be able to throw the ball away at least, or use your legs, you know, to move around the pocket. You can't just stand there like a statue, like Ryan Tannehill does. That's another reason why we don't want Ryan Tannehill. We want the mobility at quarterback. So I thought, you know, it was going to give us a, a more of an advantage with him. Um, Levis is kind of, you know, is, is Levis a scrambler too? I mean, if you if you're the draft expert, how would you compare the both of them uh, mobility wise? Yeah, Levis when he was at Penn State was exclusively a running yeah. quarterback, yep. you know, and. When he was when he was in entering the I think his first year of Kentucky and we saw the preseason hype on the SEC side of stuff where they were like oh this guy's legit blah blah, blah. he might be the best quarterback in the SEC I kind of laughed at it because I'd seen his Penn State stuff but um, you didn't see a lot of that the last couple of years at Kentucky you didn't see a lot of the scrambling ability he didn't really go to it he focused more on throwing so and then when he was at Penn State he wasn't a dynamic runner uh, like we saw Malik was when he was at Liberty but. The first thing I'd say to the the Ravens game, because I watched that one too, it was in the morning, they were in London, is uh, I think that when you are a, a different type of quarterback than your starter, when Tanhill's a big, tall guy, he's going to try to work from the pocket, he's a former wide receiver that had, he's not as mobile as he used to be, but he does have it. I mean, we saw it, the triple option against the Chargers that they ran for a touchdown. That was a pretty cool little design. Uh, it was totally unexpected. Yeah, but for real. <laughs> But, you know, like like that's the thing is, uh, you know, that's a totally different type of skill set. And so when you're putting, you know, your play sheet together and you're getting your game plan ready, you're only going to use maybe 20 to 30 percent of what's in your playbook in a game. And that's just because of the limited number of plays. You want to be able to use different plays throughout the entire year. And, and because of that, I think that Malik steps into a game plan that's set up for Ryan Tanhill. And when you're a six foot quarterback trying to play a six five pocket, you know, type game plan, that's not your game. You're going to struggle like that. And I think that's where a lot of those sacks came from. Uh, so what you really need to do is you need to try to get him out of the pocket a little bit more. Try to move the pocket at times. Give saying. him opportunities to throw, you know, uh, on the move because that's one of the things that he does well. The bootlegs work really well. So you got to be able to get the run game going. You know, we were saying Der Derrick Henry seventy percent of what he used to be. At this point, we know that he's a fading star. That's just that's the fact of the matter. He's still a very good running back by the NFL standards because he's 6'3, he's 245, 250, whatever he is. He's basically David Njoku playing running back. If you, you know, like you watch those two run, they're very, they look, if you put a Titans uniform on David Njoku, you might think it's Derrick Henry. Uh, when you look at, and then you got Tajay Spears now too. And Tajay's a very solid run zone run. Uh, uh, running back himself, play has incredible field vision, really great contact balance, and he's a great receiver out of the backfield. So that's why you've seen him his usage increase throughout the season so far. 
Question. I think I think if you get them running up the middle, you use both those running backs, and you set up the play action. That's going to open up Malik Willis's game. Yeah. So, a question I have for you. Sorry, I almost cut you off. Um, two couple questions for you. Now, I know you said they had Malik in there, six foot quarterback playing a six foot four quarterbacks game plan. But wouldn't you think a coaching staff would have something lying in contingent for a situation like that, where the starter gets hurt and the backup comes in? Shouldn't there be some part of that play sheet that's dedicated towards maybe your backup and what his game is predicated off of? And if the Titans did not do that, then how how do you feel about this coaching staff as a general is what I wanted to allude to. You know, if they're not intelligent enough to, you know, give Malik, you know, call plays for him that he could run, you know, what's that say about the coaching staff? Because there's been a lot of frustration lately. Rabel's name is starting to come up. More and more each week, I mean, from week one to now, he went from he'll be here for a long time to, you know, some Titans fans are done with him. Offensive coordinator, I mean, we haven't scored over 30 points in two years. You know, uh, uh, Tim Kelly is looking a lot like Todd Downing. We're failing to even approach 20 points a game. So, you know, my question is, do you, does an offensive coordinator or head coach put something in for a backup should the starter go down? And if not, you know, if the Titans didn't do that, then what's that say about their coaching staff? And how do you feel about it from from your perspective? If you are a Titans fan, you know, would your pa- patience be wearing as thin as some of ours when it comes to Vrabel and and such? So the first thing is the first part of that question. Yeah, you're going to have a few things that you're going to have as a bat as a re- you know you might have a package of plays designed for Malik in sp- special situations, um, but. It's not so much about the play calling at that point. It's the game plan. And you got to get the other 10 guys on on board with that. And that's very difficult to do in the middle of a game. That's why when you hear a lot of analysts and they talk about this guy came in, you know, middle of the game, led them to a comeback win. That's super impressive. That's why. Because you, you're, you have to shift. When you have two different types of quarterbacks like that, you have to shift from one type of offense to a completely different type. And... That's that's a whole team type atmosphere, uh, team decision that's made, and that's not something that you drill a lot in practice because you know you're going to run maybe on Thursdays or Fridays. You're going to run through, hey, contingency plan. If he goes down, we're going to have these reps, but it's not something you're practicing consistently because you just don't have the time for it. Um, so that's why I'm saying let's wait, let's see what they do this week when they or you know next week when they've got a couple weeks to come up with something and say. Whoever the starting quarterback is, we're going to design and and set him up for success uh, to what he does well. Uh, and I think Vrabel's throughout his career, regardless of who's been in there, Downing, uh, Arthur Smith, all of those guys, I think that he's they've done a pretty good job with that while trying to stay true to their identity, which is run the ball. Um, the second part of that question is if I'm a Titans fan, you know, you guys know I'm in Nashville, so I'm. I'm right here in the thick of it. I get all the Titan games are on my TV on Sunday. I'm seeing all I'm seeing all the same stuff you guys are. I'm like I'm down here. I'm hearing it. So I think the feeling in the building right now, and this is this is I I, I was at the uh, MTSU Colorado State game. There was a Titan scout there I knew, and we were talking about it. They felt like going into that that third game they should be two and zero. Uh, I think that was when the week was. Yeah, they should be two and zero. About to be three and zero. Yeah. Um, because of the the way that that Saints game had gone, there was a lot of so there's still a lot of confidence. Um, in in that sense, I think that 
I think Vrabel is a top coach in the league, period. He's a great situational guy. He's a great motivator. And it's the growing pains that you're seeing right now from the first year of a brand new general manager that's in there. Now he's coming from San Francisco and Ron Carthen, you know, so now you've got to get everybody set up on that, which is he's going to have a different way that he's going to want to build the roster. That's why you're seeing Taylor Lewan leave. He doesn't fit what they want to do anymore. That's why you're seeing these guys out, you know, being able to walk out of the building and then bringing in new guys. It's going to take another year before they really have the personnel that they want. And they're stuck with this quarterback that the previous thing took, the previous regime took in the third round that nobody really seems to like. And so you go get your guy in the second that you think that he could be a, a solid guy for us if he develops in Levis. So that I think that I think he's safe for now. I think that they're going to, he's probably got an additional year. He may have to make some changes to the rest of the coaching staff. Maybe uh, your offensive coordinator this year, maybe he to Kelly leaves and maybe he's gone at the end of the year and you're going to elevate somebody like Charles London who had a lot of success in Atlanta and is a really, and was a, offensive coordinator at the senior bowl this year so like maybe that's that's a change that's coming down the line i don't think Vrabel's particularly there uh i just think that this is the typical growing pains that you're seeing from a brand new regime coming in and i don't think that the titans are gonna let one of their like one of the best coaches they've had in a long time out of the building because of a bad 18 to 20 game stretch fair enough fair enough i mean it's it's I'm one of those guys too that leans like, you know, I'm a little more loyal towards him. I saw what he did for our franchise, but you know, it's hard not to get frustrated when you look at the record over the last 13 games. I think we're at two and 11. And I think a lot of Titans fans are just, you know, why haven't we benched Tannehill earlier? Why is Rabel not taking more responsibility? It seemed like he was just, you know, stubborn, you know, to the point where it was frustrating, where he didn't want to change as his blind loyalty towards Tannehill, um, you know, but, you brought up Tajay Spears, Tajay Spears earlier. You brought up Derrick Henry. Um, do you feel as though that there's any um, truth to the rumor that he could be traded? And if he is traded, do you think Tajay is capable of being a true blue number one running back? So I don't think that you're going to find a trade partner for Derrick Henry right now. Not at the price that the Titans are going to want to give him up for. Which would and be what? The- which would be what, like a third uh, or fourth? Yeah, it's got to it's got to be a, a a low day two, early day three, and with the contract that Derrick Henry has right now, I I can't see anybody wanting to make sure that to to spend that money there. Um, not not with the player that they're getting right now. So uh, I don't I don't think I think that they, there may be inquiries. They might try. They might shop around a little bit and see if they can garner any interest. I don't think they're going to find any uh, running back right now for the most part is a I don't want to say this in a bad way but it's a replaceable position uh even when you've got a, a true a, a, a guy that's different like Henry it's very hard to move a running back around we saw it this offseason with Saquon struggling to get his contract Josh Jacobs wasn't with the Raiders for a long time Tony Pollard was even upset and he got franchise tagged by the Cowboys they let Ezekiel Elliott walk out of that building you saw and then Dalvin Cook went unsigned until August, you know, and that's one of the best running backs in the, in the league. Yeah. So again, it just kind of comes down to there's, there's not a lot of interest in running back. So while they may shop around, I don't think that they're going to find much interest as for Tajay. To me, Tajay is one of the best running backs I've ever looked at on tape when he was coming out of college. His, 
he is a complete running back at 5'9 and 200 pounds, which is not a typical size that you look for uh, when you talk about a complete running back. But when you look at his skill set, as I mentioned, he's a really good zone runner. Uh, he's got great field vision. He's an excellent receiver. And I'll tell you guys, when I was at the senior ball, I was sitting there with another scout, and I saw Tajay lining up in a pass protection rep with Aubrey Miller, who's a 6'2", 240-pound linebacker. And I nudged, and I was like, dude, you got to watch this. And Tajay came right up on that rep, bam, knocks Aubrey Miller on his ass. And I said, look, see? And he's, and he's freaking out. He's like, he can do that? I'm like, dude, it's on tape. He's a great pass protector too. So when you've got a guy that can do all three facets of the running game uh, that you ask a running back to do, that makes you a very valuable player. And that's why you've seen his, his, his usage increase over the season because you can line him up in the slot and he can run routes. You can put him, you can run him between the tackles and he finds ways through it. I mean, if you go back and look at him, he went on this crazy seven game stretch at the end of his college career where he ran for 100 yards every game, and a lot of them were 150, and including an over 200-yard performance against USC in the Cotton Bowl. They were four touchdowns down, and Tajay really scored three touchdowns to get them back in it, and they win the game outright. So when you look at like his body of work, he can be a complete running back. I think that's why the Titans were excited to take him in the third. I was, surprised that he, I was almost surprised he lasted that long, but yeah. again, that's one of those positions that, we're going to push you down the board a little bit. But, uh, yeah, he's a legit running back. And if you have to get to a point where Derek is either hurt or he's not there, Tajay is going to be able to pick up that load. And you've got, you know, Julius Chestnut. And I think there's somebody else in that room that can help him uh, carry the load so that you keep him fresh and he can maintain his uh, usage throughout the rest of the offense. John, last question before we go. You said you're really good friends with uh, Charles London, and you and you know him pretty well. Um, he is obviously the pass game coordinator for the Titans. If if our if our fans have no idea who that was, and if you if you don't, I don't know where the hell you are if you're living under <laughs> a rock or not. But um, who do you think was going to benefit um, more now going forward as the quarter in the quarterback room? You think it's going to be more of Will Levis, you know, understanding what he's trying to say, or you think it's going to be more uh, Malik Willis? And how how does his concept fit both of those quarterbacks? Yeah, so I would I wouldn't say I'm great friends with him, but I, yeah, I know. No, let's put it, let's yeah, put it no. that way, you know, because I I don't need him to run into him at a all star game or the combine and he go, what are, what are you saying on that podcast? No, yeah, no, yeah, no yeah. like I, I I know him I know him decently well, but um he he's a guy that's he's really smart and he can work with a lot of different types of quarterbacks. When you look at Atlanta, when he was there, he worked with Matt Ryan, he worked with Marcus Mariota, he worked with Desmond Ritter. And he talked about, you know, Josh Rosen and Felipe Franks. Those are very different types of quarterbacks across the board when you look at what their skill sets present. So he's just one of these guys that can work with a lot of different schemes and different concepts and just try to find ways to get the quarterback to be comfortable. You know, um, I think that when you look at Malik Willis, this is a guy that he, you need, he needs to be outside the pocket, which is probably why the Titans don't like him too much. Uh, because he's a guy, he's a playmaker. He wants to take shots down the field. He's got a really good arm, uh, and he's going to take those shots when they when they open up. I think that they've asked him to stifle that back a little bit and just play in the offense. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from. With Levis, you got another gunslinger mentality, a guy that wants to push the ball down the field. I know that when he was coming out, he drew comparisons to like a smaller version of Josh Allen. I don't know about all of that, but he's he's got a good arm too. He so certainly got to be like Josh Allen for us. <laughs> basically. Yeah. For he's real. only 6'2", 220, I think. So 
that's a little bit harder to, to replicate, you know, when you've got a, a guy like Allen who's six, five and two forty five and can, you know, steamroll some people, but what they're going to try to do, I think if it's Malik, you're a run bootleg, you're going to run different things to try to get him outside the pocket and give him level. Uh, it's called levels. So it's a concept where you've got route runners at different levels. You're looking to see how the defense reacts and you just, you have to be able to layer the throws there outside of that. When you get to Levis, it's a little bit more of a pocket passer, but again, a guy that's more comfortable outside of the pocket. He's going to run the offense a little bit more uh, than Willis is on time. He's a little bit better with timing concepts and things like that. But again, he wants to take risks. He wants to push the ball down the field. Uh, and you, you got to hope that you got the playmakers. D hopped <laughs> out there. Traylon Burks has not quite lived up to the expectations that everybody's wanted him to. Nope. And I think that when you're looking at the number three and it's a toss up between Chris Moore and Nick Akeen Westbrook, you got to sit there and kind of go, man, we need an upgrade at three right now because we need somebody that can be a dynamic slot. And we just don't have that right now. We got What's flashes on his name and Nick Westbrook, Akeen, you're not Akeen, you Westbrook. My bad. I'm sorry. My <laughs> receiver one right now, man. That's Jared's boy. He's listen. He's making me eat my words because Traylon Burks is not him right now. I'm sorry though. Go ahead. I had to get that in there. No, no, no. That's fine. That's fine. I messed I messed his name <laughs> up. So, but yeah. So that's good. But no, like, uh, you know, I think you're looking at that right now. And you're thinking we need to get a dynamic slot in here. And one of the things that you're seeing teams do right now, a lot of NFL teams, is they have got a big slot and they got a little slot. A big slot. Think. Uh, I think Chig Okonkwo could fit that really well. He's really more of a receiver. I mean, he can block in line, but he's more of a receiver. You get him in space. He can do some things from there. And then when you talk about little slots, I mean, they're across the league right now. Wes Welker was the picture-perfect little slot for years and years in New England. He made that a position that teams had to start putting on their – adding to their rosters. Yep. And so, you know, like in this past draft, Zay Flowers was a great example of a little slot. You know, we've seen in Houston, the, the uh, division rivals, Tank Dell has had a really good year. Guys like that that are really quick and dynamic route runners in space – uh, that when they can get off a, a press release and then just beat somebody underneath, that's some that's another level that they don't have right now. And I think that that's what they're going to probably look at adding, especially when you go back and you look at what they've uh, what the 49ers did with their roster construction. They've got speed, they've got run after catchability, and they've got the little slot guys that they can run all over the place too. So I think that's the, that's the direction that you're going to see the personnel go in the future. But we just have to let that – we have to sit back and let that happen. One more thing I wanted to ask you, I'm sorry, before we send you out is, should we start Malik Le Levis, and it seems like you think they will, how long or how short should his leash be? You know, if you think of it's – if he looks anything like he does against – like he did when we put him in against the Ravens, do you think we need to get Levis a, a nine- to ten-game sample size to see what we have, you know, leading into, you know, next year? I think uh, when you take a guy in the second round, you're not expecting to start him right away. And so it may be a, like a Desmond Ritter situation last year where you're going to start him at the end of the year and try to get a good evaluation, give him four or five games and see what happens uh, if the season's lost at that point. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I, th I would personally go Willis. I know that everybody's acknowledged in the building that He's taken a step this year. I mean, when you watched him in the preseason, he was processing a little bit better. 
He looked he looked like he was more comfortable in the offense. Uh, and they had some nice little play designs that were set up for him at times too. So I th- I really do th- I think that they're going to have to go with Willis uh, personally. And it's just because this is a guy who's had another year in the, in the system. He's been there all the training camp. He hasn't missed time like Levis has. And I think that right now you can do a little bit more with him and you just continue to let Levis develop, let him adjust to the level let him get his feet wet, you know, at times when you can't, when you have to, uh, which may be the end of the season. But that's that's what I would do. I think that's what they're probably going to go with. I know for a fact they do think that he did take a step. I just don't know how happy they are with the step that it was. Yeah. Listen, John, we appreciate you coming on. We could pick your brain all night about quarterbacks. I feel like we're going to have you on very soon again because I don't see Ryan Tannehill being the quarterback, even though Mike Brable says if he's healthy, he's going to be the quarterback. I think they're going to ride with the young guns for the rest of the way. So uh, maybe we can break down their tape with you as well. Um, just before we let you go, where can we find your work? I know you're a part of the team. Uh, we welcomed you on the team. Uh, we love that you're on the team. So sh- shout us uh, shout us where we, we can find your work. Yeah, obviously, like – Right here, sick podcast, man. We do we do a great job. Uh, I've been it's been a blessing coming on here, guys. And I know that I know that that we got the big guns back there in the studios. I like to call them because you know uh, we got Sammy back there running it and AC and all them. I've been I've been so impressed with just the way that this place is run. Very Uh, easy. I'm excited. Yeah, excited. But yeah, uh, pretty much anything that I do goes up on X, Twitter, whatever you still refer to it as. Um, at Draft Vogels, where you can follow me, and that's where you can see all the stuff. I'll add you one last note about Tan Hill, and I think this is the reason why they'll go with him if he plays. It's the money. It's the money yeah. deal. You, yeah. You're paying him too much money to sit, and I think that, that that's probably an ownership push that's saying, yeah. hey, we got to play him. Let's ride him out. We can get out of his contract next year, and I think that's what you're going to see. Appreciate it, man. Our draft expert, Mr. Draft Vogel. Thank you very much, buddy. We'll, we'll be thank, you you. thank you, guys. Appreciate you. I'll go on. Hi, right, Mr. John Vogel. You know where you can find him, Draft Vogel. He's with the Sick Podcast team. He has everything, all draft questions. You know, shout him out on X and Twitter. Um, then, before we get uh, involved with the uh, Ravens game, you want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor? Sure, sure. Uh, let's shout out DraftKings. You know, this season's going strong, fellas. We're on week seven. And DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking up new customers with an offer that's even stronger. Bet $5 on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener of every game this year. Football's more fun when you're in the action, so download the app now and sign up with code 6sports. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code 6sports. The crown is yours, guys and gals. Um, so that that's the good part. We talked about Ryan Tannehill. We talked about Malik Willis. Uh, we talked about Will Levis. The bad part was uh, – I had to watch on my phone the Ravens game in London because I had to go pumpkin picking last minute. Uh, was not very happy about it, but, you know, it was for the kids, so it is what it is. Um, but watching you guys, uh, I had to watch you guys, you know, post game and give my reactions because I needed to vent besides the the morons that are telling me, oh, well, what happened to your team today? You know, I, I bet them. I said, you know, it's your loss, idiot. You should have never did it anyway. But to break down that game, um, 
it's it, it was exactly what we were talking about um last week when it was me and Sal and um Melissa Kim from uh, the Ravens we had on with her. The the Titans don't know how to attack down the field again. Um, Ryan Tannehill sits in the pocket. Sal was screaming live that he can't walk, you know, with the ankle. Why didn't they pull him out earlier? I mean, it's just a mess. Again, 16 points. I I, I almost called it. I had I had a score in 13 in my predictions. I said 24 to 13, so I was off by, by this much. I mean, this team is so predictable. It, it, it's really in disarray right now, especially on the defensive side of the ball. There's no accountability. Even Jeffrey Simmons is saying it. And like I said before, when we got on the podcast, um, I saw a lot of the film. I rewatched the film and all the route concepts on the offensive coordinator and Tim Kelly. There's three receivers in every fucking. I know I don't curse a lot, but I get so animated with this when I see this. There's three wide receivers all the time in the same spot. How about crossing your wide receivers, mixing everything up with the, with, with the cornerbacks? Why why are you progressing your quarterback with, with one over the top, one in the you're bringing the, de- the defenders and the cornerbacks and safeties all together. So it's a jumbled mess. No wonder why our quarterbacks are throwing in triple and double coverage all the time because the receivers are in the same spot with them with with the cornerbacks and safeties. So I mean it's 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 just a huge mess and it just drives me crazy, especially now that we're two and four going into the bye. And then we're coming home. We don't know what's going to happen at quarterback now because we think that it's going to be Will Levis. We think it's going to be Malik Willis. We think that they're going to be the saviors of the franchise. Um, you better hope so because if Ryan Tannehill doesn't go, you know, doesn't go for the rest of the year, which I kind of, I kind of see the writing on the wall, and I, I'm over it with Ryan Tannehill. I said it to you guys when you guys right, were at zero percent. We're at zero percent. I said it to you guys on the podcast. I want to see what the young guys have because if we don't have anything with these young guys. Um, and like Draft Vogel said, you know, the, the quarterback, I mean, not the quarterback, the, the, the facility doesn't see much in Will Levis. I mean, not Will Levis, Malik Willis. Uh, they're, they're tending towards uh, Will Levis because it is a Rand guy. Rand moved up in the draft to get him in the second round. And uh, Mike Rabel's been saying that he's taken huge strides since the beginning of the year. So in my personal opinion, I think going into Atlanta, I think we're going to be going with Will Levis just to see what he has. To me, you can't have. Uh, a second-year guy and Malik Willis gets sacked four times in a game on four drives, and you're supposed to be mobile. You can't do that. So, I mean, just just give me your take. I mean, I've seen some of it uh, online. I mean, I just want your opinion on this because I don't know where I'm at right now. You see Rob Gronkowski saying that, you know, the best thing for the trade deadline is for the, the Patriots to get, you know, a mix of quarterbacks too. Why don't they go after a guy like Malik Willis? Why is Rob Gronkowski saying anything about the Patriots? If he has any inkling on that, is he a Vrabel guy? Is he a Belichick guy? Does he know something might happen? Are the Patriots uh, looking to go for a quarterback for a change? Are you going to try to, you know, I, I personally, I would take a fourth or a fifth for Malik Willis right now. If the Patriots give it to me and, and just hand the reins over right now to Will Levis, if that's Rand's guy, give me a sample size, a 10 game sample size of, of Will Levis to see what we have for the future. Because if not, this is the only quarterback right here. That is the legend in Steve McNair, because I'm not, I'm a running, I'm running off a, a building. If we don't have a quarterback for the future. Yeah. I mean, I want you to take a deep breath there. I don't know how you, you breathe during that ramp, but that was, that was uh, you 10 minutes ago. I mean, uh, yeah. last podcast when you had the 10 minute rant, um, I tend to agree with you more than, than our buddy Vogel. Um, I think you can say what you want. The game plan wasn't built for him. You're playing him at a different, you know, game plan system, whatever. That being said, you have to have a little bit of, you know, innate ability to avoid sacks, and especially when that's what your game's supposed to be predicated off of. You know, it was just ugly. There was no sense of awareness, really. He tried to do way too much, 
maybe he was pressing, and that's why you know he was just trying to get us make a play for us. That being said, I mean, four sacks and and what it was like less than a quarter. It seemed like maybe a little more than a quarter. I don't know, a full quarter, whatever it was. He did not look like the Malik in the preseason where. You know, he made some plays for us. Listen, we got down to the one-yard line. We could have had an onside kick away from maybe having a, you know, a chance in that wild game. But, yeah, I mean, listen, Vogel thinks we're going to start him. If they do, I think the leash is extremely short. What's, I think what's that, the, halftime? Uh, if it's that bad, if he has multiple turnovers and, you know, you're close to halftime, beginning of the second half, then sure. Um, I don't want to see him much longer than that. Should he play that bad? I would love nothing more than uh, Rank Carthon to march out Will Levis in the Oilers threads for his first game after the bye. I think that'd be a cool move for the rookie. Fan base should be there. And even if they're not excited for the team, they're excited for that jersey reveal. You know, we'll be wearing those threads for the first time. In a long time, um, I don't know with this coaching staff. If it was up to me, I'd start Levis and give him, I mean, what, at this point it'd be 10 games you'd be giving him almost. So if they want to show some loyalty and respect to, to uh, Malik Willis, I get it. You drafted him last year, even though he's not a Carthon guy, he was a J-Rob guy. If you want to give him a fair shake, then sure. But I would not fault him at all. If, if I'm not, And I'm not saying you got to trade him like you said, although I wouldn't be opposed to it. But you traded up for this kid in the second round. The writing's on the wall. Another thing I disagree with Vogel is, you know, I don't care if we're paying Tadahill $100 million. His play has not, you know, shown us that he's, you know, he warrants getting paid that money. So why even pay him? I mean, why even play him? I mean, put him on the bench, pay him. I don't care. You're going to pay him for 10 more games. His deal is up. You know, you just can't put him in there right now. I mean, it's just been mo- – I don't want to go on a rant like you just did. I'm just over him like you are. I've been at 0% for a while. I think if we turn back to him, I don't understand what the blind loyalty is towards him. I think that would frustrate a lot of fans and make Mike Vrabel's hot seat even hotter, at least from a fan perspective. Who knows the conversations him or Rand are having, but I don't care what you're paying him. He has not shown us anything to deserve you know, being paid that amount of money for a long time. I don't care. Bench him. See what you have in these young kids. You have a guy from the third round, a guy from the second round the last two years. We've been clamoring about it for a month now. Let's see what they got. There's 11 games left. You want to give Willis a few games as a fair shake? Sure. Evaluate him after three four games. Then turn it over to Levis for nine, ten games. Let's see what he has. Eight games. You know, and if you suck and you end up picking top five, but you like Levis, maybe you get another lineman and then go after you know, T Higgins in free agency, or if you don't think any quarterback's the guy and you're picking top five, well, now's your year to go get, you know, your actual guy. Cause in reality, that would mean Willis and Tannehill are gone. If we go quarterback again, you'd be going in the next year with the guy you drafted. And then Will Levis is the guy you're going to compete with or be your number two, whatever. But I mean, I'm done with Tannehill. There's nothing left to see uh, unless we win. And Lev- in spite, if we win, in spite of Will Levis, like if it's a defensive performance and Levis doesn't play well, and ta- I mean, I'm sorry, Willis, if we win in spite of Willis because of our defense, whatever, Henry Spears, if we win in, win in spite of Willis, I could see them turning back to Tannehill the following week. If we're three and four and they feel like on a short on a short week with Pittsburgh. Uh, I didn't know if we we're playing Pittsburgh on a short week. I still wouldn't be surprised though if we win games in spite of. You get what I'm saying, though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
spite of him, and we keep our head above water, and we're three and four, four and five, and Tannehill's healthy, I could see maybe them going back to him then. I think that would be fair. Even still, I'm done with him. I got the white flag from when I was in Tennessee. I'm waving it. I'm waving it. I'm done with Tannehill. Put these young guys in, and that's that. We had both had a we, we both did how to how to put a rant in for Sal because one of his rants is worth two of ours, so we each had to get a rant in. You know, he can't stand. He's got <laughs> one leg. He can't stand. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. So oh. shout, out, shout out our boy Sal. I had to do that for him. But uh, one thing that was said, well, you just said, you said to keep our head above water, bro. We have the cinder block tied to our foot, and we're at the edge of the boat right now with this team because um, the way the, the way things are shaking up, the locker room doesn't seem you know so tight. Taylor Lewan said go, he goes on Kay Adams on uh, you know Kay Adams's new show with Fanduel TV, and he says that um, you got to cut you got to cut the grass to find the snakes. I mean, right then and there, there's a lot of stuff going on in that locker room that we don't know about. So this buy comes at a perfect time to figure out Mike Vrabel trying to figure out what the hell's going on with this team. Does he make a trade? Is it Christian Fulton? Um, is he going to trade one of these um, aging contracts with uh, KB or, or Derrick Henry? I don't personally see it. Or and um, but, Or Autry or something. I mean, I personally don't see it. But um, there's one thing that I, I, I kind of agreed with, with, with um, John. And he said that you – Vrabel is an outstanding coach. I, I personally think he is. I'm not one of those. I'm not. I mean, I may have said it, but I'm not uh, in the heat of the moment. But I'm not one of those guys that say, "Hey, we need to fire Vrabel right now." It's Vrabel's fault. Uh, not yet. A lot of, not not yet. yet. It is. I understand it is a transition year with Rand Carson at the helm, and we did inherit a lot. And John Robinson, he stoned us to death with this team. You know, so so we're reaping the benefits right now, and especially Ran is from from the shit drafting, and, and he was trying to bring in some guys with not that many, not much uh, capital in free agency, but now he's got the ninety four million dollars next year. So uh, even if we do, um, kind of shit the bed this year, and we let's say, uh, I mean, we have the third easiest schedule going the rest of the way, but that doesn't say much because we can't get in the end zone. The, the, the red zone, the red zone. Uh, once that, once the twenty comes, it's a brick wall for us right now, so we can't get in the end zone. But hypothetically speaking, let's just say we have the third easiest schedule with the remaining games left. If we're we have two wins right now, if we have four more wins, that puts us at six wins on the season. That could possibly get us into the top ten, into the top ten in the draft um, this year. There is hella talent, whether it's offensive tackles. Brock Bowers out of Georgia, the tight end that who can do anything. You have Marvin Harrison Jr., who's probably going to go three, but who knows? Okay, and you have you have a ton of quarterbacks. There's a ton of there's a ton of prospects in this year's draft. If we were inside the top ten, so if we do win six games, I'm okay with it because I know with the future, with the 94 million dollars and the early draft, that Rand Carthon can probably hit it out of the park next offseason. So that's that's the only thing that's keeping me sane not, right now. If this homework. if this season goes to shit. Which it halfway is like I said right now the the string is tied with the cinder block to our foot and we're at the edge of the boat. So I mean, that's 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 that right now. Yeah, and so was AJ Soprano, but he left that that rope a little too long. And I knew I knew. Know, I, I listen. I threw that I threw that up to you. I was waiting for you to I, say something. And I, and I yammed it. I yammed. Yeah. It. That's, that's that's teamwork. That's you know synergy, whatever they call it in the biz. But um, yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not done with him yet either. I love him. He did a lot for this franchise. He's been dealt a shit hand. Um, you know, with the injuries, but there's some things you'd like him to take responsibility for. I'm sure he's been on board with a lot of these hires. You know, we've gone in-house a lot. 
His stubbornness um, is getting frustrating, especially when it comes to his loyalty to Tannehill. I think we're all over it. And, you know, it is a transition year, but I think we're all a little more excited at the beginning year than we should have been with D-Hop. But listen, crazier things have happened. Let's just say, you know, one of these young kids comes in and we keep our head above water and we sneak. That'd be best case, in my opinion, is maybe to make, maybe not make the playoffs, but go, like you said, 6-11, and 11, and know that Levis is the guy, and then we can go get Bowers, go get uh, the tackle from Notre Dame, all you know, and then spend money in free agency and turn it around in a year. But we can't do any of that until we know who we have at the quarterback position. Tannehill is not going to be here next year, so sooner rather than later, this year you have to figure out what at least to find it out. what at least one of these guys has. I mean, come on, help us out a little bit. So listen, we're not over Rabel; we're just frustrated with him right now. Um, but that being said, it's a much needed bye week, like you said earlier in the show. Uh, we wish Sal nothing but the best. Get better. Take your day quill, your night quill, your mucinex, your turmeric, Sal. I'm a big turmeric guy. I don't get sick off turmeric and and the black pepper to, to activate. Yeah, there. Ooh, little, little <laughs> ooh, physiology for me. You right like there. that? You like yeah, that. yeah. Talk dirty to me. Anyway, <laughs> um, another great show. Shout out uh, Drev Vogel for coming on. He's a part of our team at the Sick Podcast. Go to him for all things draft and go to DraftKings for all things betting. Wanna, before you sign us out, I just want to rub this in a little bit to, to the guys backstage and to you and Sal when, you, when you're listening to the podcast. I will be in Turks and Caicos in a pool watching the next two games on my iPad. So uh, you guys enjoy, but I am definitely going to try to come on the podcast uh, while I'm there. So I am not, I'm not going to well, not. Seen, I've seen how you can down beer. If you've had too many of them, you're better off maybe, you know, not tarnishing. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I want, I, I, I want to be there and I, you know, I, I need, I need to be on the podcast, especially after that Atlanta game, whether win or lose, uh, you need my reactions with the, with the clean new oiler gear. And uh, hopefully it comes out. Will Levis, you know, I'll come from behind victory. That would be insane. I have, I would have to come on the podcast if that's the case. Yeah. 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 So. Well, good, good luck with that one, but enjoy Turks and Caicos. Whenever you leave, bring your sunscreen. You know, you're a little more fair skin than, than myself, but Hey, we all can't be blessed with the beautiful olive skin. Anyways, <laughs> great show. Great to be back. Um, one more thing I got to add is go Phil's. We're two wins away from the world series. Other than that though, tighten up, Sammy, send me out. <laughs> And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast, Talking Titans, on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.